In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my Upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My family and I were recently on a trip in Glasgow. We stayed in this fantastic hotel that had obviously been around a while. Lots of plaques and photos of famous people who had stayed, etc. The first night, I woke up, though not abruptly really, to what I can only describe as a presence. I heard distinctly, and by that I mean somehow the words entered my brain, but it, but it wasn't quite a voice, per se. Someone say, I'm watching you, but it wasn't scary at all somehow. It was absolutely matter-of-fact. I don't have any other experiences like this, and I've always thought of myself as a big scaredy-cat, so I have no idea how I fell back to sleep. Not only that, I woke up the next day feeling great and didn't even remember to tell anyone. The morning following the next night, my mom, who was sharing the room with me, says at breakfast, you all aren't going to believe me, but I swear someone was in our room last night. I remember thinking, just be still and let them finish whatever they're doing. 
Needless to say, this jogged my memory and I relayed my experience. The fact that we had two independent experiences in the same room kind of confirms for me that something is in that hotel. I asked the staff right before we left and they kind of smiled and said, not sure, but you're not the first to mention this. I always knew my training would be put to the test one day, but I never imagined it would be like this. My heart pounded in my chest as I clung to the thick foliage that concealed my presence on the remote Pacific island. My team, the best of the best, Navy SEALs, had been sent to investigate a series of unexplained disappearances. Little did we know the horror that awaited us. We had found the abandoned military installation after days of grueling search through the dense jungle. The thick air and scorching sun had weighed us down, but we were determined to uncover the truth. The evidence within the crumbling facility pointed to something unimaginable. Genetic manipulation experiments aimed at creating the perfect soldier. The island was now a living nightmare, overrun with deadly cryptids, human animal hybrids with lethal abilities and heightened senses. My squad and I knew we had to adapt quickly, or we'd become the next victims. The cryptids were stealthy predators, picking us off one by one. My brothers in arms fell around me, their screams echoing through the trees. Each death fueled my resolve to survive and expose the truth behind these twisted experiments. As the last of my squad was taken, I had no choice but to go into hiding, waiting for the backup that we had desperately called for. Days turned into weeks, and I began to wonder if anyone would ever come. I scavenged for food and water and kept a close watch on the cryptids, learning their habits, trying to find a weakness that could be exploited. One day, while searching for supplies and the remnants of the facility, I discovered a hidden room. Inside, I found a journal that belonged to the lead scientist. It detailed the terrible truth behind the cryptids. They were once human, transformed by the experiments into the monsters I now faced. The island was meant to be their testing ground, but it had become their prison. The last entry in the journal revealed a chilling fact. The project had been abandoned, and no one was coming to help. I was alone, surrounded by death and darkness. But I knew that I couldn't give up. With my newfound knowledge, I continued to study the cryptids, searching for a way to put an end to the nightmare. For the sake of my fallen comrades and for the innocent lives that had been lost on this island, I had to find a way to survive and expose the truth to the world. And so, I wait in the shadows, the sole survivor of a covert mission gone horribly wrong. I know that backup will never come, but I refuse to let that break my spirit. I will fight until my last breath, determined to bring justice to those who have suffered at the hands of these twisted experiments. The cryptids may have taken my brothers in arms, but they will not take me. I never thought my job as a park ranger would take me to such remote wilderness areas. It was beautiful, sure, but it was also a bit eerie being so far away from civilization. I tried to shake off the feeling, but as the days passed, strange occurrences kept happening that made me feel like I was being watched. 
The first incident occurred on the third day of my stay. As I was walking along the trail, I heard footsteps behind me. I turned around, but no one was there. I brushed it off as my imagination and continued on my way. The second incident was a bit more disturbing. When I returned to my cabin, I noticed that my supplies had been disturbed. My heart raced as I wondered if someone had been there while I was out. The third day was when things really started to get weird. As I was walking to check on some of the campgrounds, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. It was a large, dark figure lurking in the shadows. I couldn't make out what it was, but I had the distinct feeling that it was watching me. My instincts told me to run, but I forced myself to stay calm and focused. As the days went on, the feeling of being watched grew stronger. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being stalked by some unknown predator. I became more and more vigilant, always checking my surroundings and keeping my guard up. The nights were the worst. The sounds of the wilderness seemed amplified, and every rustling of leaves or snapping of a twig sent my heart racing. It was on the seventh day that things took a turn for the worse. I was out on patrol, checking the perimeter of the campground, when I heard a growl. It was unlike anything I had ever heard before, deep and menacing. I tried to see where it was coming from, but it was too dark to make out anything. As I started to make my way back to my cabin, I felt something brush past me. I spun around, but there was nothing there. That's when I realized that whatever was stalking me was getting closer. I quickened my pace, trying to stay calm, but my heart was pounding in my chest. That's when I heard it. A low, guttural growl, much closer this time. I turned around and saw it. The predator that had been stalking me was right in front of me, its eyes glowing in the darkness. It was massive, with a thick, muscular body and razor-sharp claws. I knew I was in trouble. I tried to run, but it was too fast. It tackled me to the ground, pinning me with its weight. I struggled and fought, but it was too strong. As quickly as it had appeared, it was gone, disappearing back into the wilderness. I... I lay there, confused and disoriented. What was that thing? How had it been stalking me all this time without me noticing? I knew I had to get out of there, but my body was bruised and battered. I managed to drag myself back to my cabin, and from there I called for help. It took a while, but eventually a rescue team arrived. They were baffled by my story, but I knew what I had seen. I had been stalked by an unknown predator, something that shouldn't exist in this world. Even now, years later, I still shudder when I think about that night. I may never know what that creature was, but one thing is for sure. I'll never forget the feeling of being hunted with no one around to help. On October 22, 2003, I was driving home with my younger brother and my friend. My brother was asleep in the back of my car, and my friend was sitting in the passenger seat next to me. We were driving along, and we always keep both on eyes on the road. She spotted some eyes on the road and called out deer. I slowed down because it's well known that deer are a bit crazy and do jump out in front of cars. The thing about this experience was that it was quite odd. The animal was moving at an incredible speed, 
about the rate of a car going five, ten miles per hour. We figured that if it was a deer, then it would be moving up and down, because they gallop or jump when moving at fast rates. This animal was moving at a steady rate, not moving up or down. There was also an odd smell in the air, much like a mix between rotting timber and dead animal. Another thing about the night was that it was decently lit by the moonlight, and I had my bright lights on. If it had been a deer or elk, I would have seen the light brown fur that they have, or a rack of antlers. None of these variables were present, only a dark figure and a set of eyes. The frigid arctic wind howled around me as I stood on the deck of the submarine, my breath visible in the icy air. I was part of an elite Navy SEAL team, and we had been tasked with investigating a mysterious distress signal from a top-secret research facility deep in the Arctic Ocean. The sense of urgency from our superiors was palpable, and we knew we were heading into uncharted territory. As we arrived at the coordinates of the facility, we were greeted by a sight that defied explanation. A colossal sea creature, unlike anything we had ever seen tearing through the icy waters. We soon learned that this unknown beast had been dubbed Kraken by the facility's researchers. Awakened from its ancient slumber, it was a force to be reckoned with. The facility was in ruins, and it was clear that the Kraken was responsible for the destruction. We discovered evidence of the secret experiments that had been conducted within its walls. Experiments that were somehow connected to the creature. Our mission had evolved from a simple investigation to a desperate battle for survival against a seemingly indestructible foe. As the Kraken tore through the icy waters, we engaged in a fierce battle against the beast, using every weapon at our disposal. But it seemed that nothing could slow down the monstrous creature. Time was running out, and we knew that drastic measures needed to be taken. In a last-ditch effort, we decided to use a mini-nuke, knowing full well the risks involved. We successfully deployed the weapon, and as the explosion tore through the water, the Kraken finally succumbed to the immense force. The beast was vanquished, but its carcass was quickly swallowed by the depths of the ocean, leaving no trace of its existence. With the mission complete, we returned to our superiors, ready to report our findings. However, much to our surprise, we were met with a stern order to remain silent about the events that had transpired. The government didn't want the truth about the Kraken and the facility's experiments to be revealed, fearing the panic it would cause. Our team was left with no choice but to obey, carrying the weight of our experience in the depths of the Arctic Ocean in silence. We had faced and defeated an ancient creature, but the truth remained hidden lurking beneath the waves, waiting to be uncovered by those brave enough to dive into the unknown. This would have happened in the late 90s. My dad and I decided to duck hunt a marsh not too far from the town he lived in. It was a good spot and late in the season, so we got there real early to get a good spot. As I remember it, nobody else was there. So we walk in a couple hundred yards and proceed tossing out deckies in the dark. We weren't talking initially, but both noted the lack of sound coming from the refuge. 
which we know is loaded with ducks and geese. There's a smaller marsh straight south about two miles and birds generally fly between the two places in the morning. As we were finishing with decoys, I notice a point of light going in a huge square pattern off in the distance. I figure above that other marsh, pointing it out to my dad and said, why would someone be up lighting fireworks today at 4 a.m.? We kind of shrugged, but continued to watch it. This light was like a sparkler in the dark. It was a point of light changing color from blue to yellow to green and had a kind of trailing effect like someone writing a letter with a sparkler in the dark. Then it switched to doing a triangle shape and changing from red to pink to purple. It sped up and continued doing this for what seemed like forever, but was probably no more than a minute or two. Then it just got dark again. We just kind of said that it was weird and went to grass in a couple spots on shore. We get sat down to wait for daylight and notice off in the horizon to our east. The entire horizon had a similar point of light, alternating the reddish colors, then the bluish colors, then back again. It would light up and shut off, then move to another spot and flash and so on and so on to make a checkerboard pattern. It was doing this at a crazy speed and working its way back and forth to the west and toward us. It moved faster and faster until it was seemingly just across the pond, and it suddenly stopped. It was completely dark for a second, and then it was like a super bright flash of white light lit up the whole world like an asteroid and flew over our head from east to west. Never made a sound the entire time. The weird thing about this whole story is that at the time, we didn't really say anything to each other. It was weird to say the least. You'd think we would have been talking about it. In fact, we never said a thing about it, even though I still think about it, until a couple years ago after a few drinks on Christmas. We both recall it the same way, and both find it weird how nonchalantly we acted after it. I have no idea what that was. I didn't see a ship or aliens or something. It definitely wasn't northern lights. I have seen those, but I can't explain it. Most of my childhood, I lived in a farmland area in southeastern Idaho with a population of 400 people. Over the years, you would hear of the spooky crap that haunts the farmers out in the fields. And there is two that stick out. One is of a Native American, was an actual dude that lifted a sprinkler pipe into a telephone line and died back in the 80s. And the other was of a strangely almost seaweed-type-covered monster that would run with the spud truck in the early hours of spud harvest. Anyways, years later I moved away, but only 15 minutes away, so I was able to keep my up with my friends there and visited regularly. One night in the summer, while driving out to see them, it was around 2 a.m., and it was pitch blackout. I was speeding on a long, windy road that I always take, and... When I took a bend to my passenger side, I saw what I heard as a kid. The straggly-looking monster was right there on the side of the road. It looked straight at me with its white eyes and black pupils as I stared back at it. I was going at least seventy, and as I passed the monster, it sprints with my car. It was at least seven feet tall, and it was just keeping pace with my car. I went up to ninety, and he's still just right next to me sprinting while I was shitting myself. 
After a mile of this, the thing veers back off into the pitch black. Got to my friend's house, and I don't think I slept that night. Four years have passed since then and haven't seen it, but I still get creeped the F out when I take that bend at night. Okay, so this happened two and a half years ago. I was living with my horribly abusive ex, every way except physical and sexual, and his family had a building in the back of the yard that me and him lived in. I should begin this by saying there was a lot of negative and evil energies and entities that fed on and encouraged the chaos in the home, and within all of us who lived there. While I lived there, I often felt people watching me or directly behind me who weren't there. The bed we slept on would shake either as we were falling asleep or just sitting or laying on it. I would hear, huh, in my ear, constantly as if someone did a short breath in my ear. I would hear voices I couldn't explain, stuff like that. At one point, my ex was playing around with a security camera he hooked up to the TV somehow, and there was a shit ton of orbs everywhere. Literally over a hundred orbs darting or walking past or following someone around the room, either in front or behind them or both. But this one occurrence has haunted me ever since it happened. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was in the middle of the night after yet another horrible fight between him and I. So horrible I stormed out of the building and went to go sleep in the van. I had gotten settled and after about ten minutes I looked over across the yard and saw this humanoid figure. It didn't glow, but it was so white and bright against the night I thought it did. It stood with its legs parted and its arms slightly out as if it was about to start running towards me and it looked like it had a skirt or something at knee length though it didn't wear clothes or have anything but its body on it it was just part of its body i think it didn't have a face or hair or any other feature it was horrifying it filled me with such an immobilizing white knuckled fear i was quite literally frozen in fear it didn't look scary but it quite literally made me the most scared I had ever been in my entire life up until this point. I somehow knew it could read my thoughts, and that made it even more horrifying. I knew if I could just get in the house I'd be safe, but I knew the second I tried to move it would do. Something. It never moved, and I was still literally frozen in fear. 
If I had to estimate, I'd say I went out to the car around 12.30 or 1 in the morning. I was out there looking at this thing, terrified the entire night, all the way until the sun broke, and it was gone. And as soon as it was gone, my body unclenched itself, and I was immediately hit with this wave of exhaustion, and I was out like a light. This is where shit gets even more weird. I should start this out by saying my ex was slash as a drug addict, specifically a meth at this point. He is a liar and a keen manipulator. I'm not sure why he would lie about this, but then again he could do something right in front of you and lie to your face, so I don't know I told him what happened, and he got this weird-ass expression on his face. And he told me that at some point or another he made his way back into the house to use the bathroom, and him tweaking out. He stuck his head out the bathroom window in paranoia and saw a woman looking down where I was through the window of the car. He said he thought it was me and called out to who he thought was me to get back to the house. He said she looked up. He realized it wasn't me and that she darted off across the front of the car where I was literally looking through the entire night and ran off through the neighbor's yard. I can say with 100% certainty that I was not asleep and that I wasn't dreaming. I was awake the entire night, and I had the bags under my eyes and the fatigue of both lack of sleep and the adrenaline crash to prove it. I'm making this post to try and see if anyone knows anything about what the actual that that was or what it could be. It wasn't a night crawler. It had arms and it was much more humanoid, and I don't live in the areas in which it's known to manifest in. This experience has been on my mind a lot more than usual lately, and I'm just struggling to come to terms or to rationalize that experience. I'm thankfully out of that God's awful house and that even worse relationship two years as of this early January, so no need to worry for my safety or sanity now. My father and I were camping in a semi-remote area when I was about seven. We spent the day setting up camp where he showed me how to assemble the tent and how to bait my fishing hook. I slipped and fell into the water where we were fishing, and I remember hearing my dad yell my name several times before I surfaced. The water wasn't very deep, and I pulled myself onto the rocks with the help of my dad. About an hour later, it's getting dark, and my dad builds a big fight. He excuses himself as I assume he went to take a piss and I'm all alone. I sat listening to the crackling of the fire when I heard a voice call my name from the wooded area we walked through earlier. It wasn't a shout, but the inflection and tone was the exact same as my father's earlier, but it did not sound like my dad. I remember how confused I felt for all intents and purposes. It had to be my dad, but something was very off. I heard my name again, this time closer, and I almost walked over to it because who else would know my name out there? Right as I'm about to walk over, I see my dad walking out of the adjacent woods, and I ask if he called me. He said no, and I thought he was messing with me, so I let it go. The next day I got really sick, and we packed up and left. I haven't thought of that in years, and something I saw on TV reminded me of that. Anyways, just thought I'd share. Thanks for reading. I had been a park ranger for over a decade, and I thought I'd seen it all. One day I was called to investigate a series of strange disappearances in a national park. 
At first, I thought it was just a case of lost hikers or campers who had wandered off the beaten path. But as I dug deeper, I realized that something far more evil was happening. The disappearances all seemed to be connected with each victim vanishing without a trace in the same area of the park. But what was even more bizarre was that there was no sign of a struggle or any evidence of foul play. I knew that I had to follow every lead, no matter how small, if I was going to get to the bottom of this mystery. And as I dug deeper, I began to uncover a web of lies and deceit that went far beyond what I could have ever imagined. It all started when I stumbled upon a secret government facility hidden deep in the woods. At first, I thought it was just a research station or a wildlife monitoring outpost. But as I got closer, I realized that something far more dark was going on. The facility was involved in genetic experimentation using animals from the park as test subjects. They were creating hybrid creatures, blending the DNA of different species in a twisted attempt to create the ultimate predator. I was horrified by what I saw, and I knew that I had to expose this atrocity to the world. But before I could do anything, I was ambushed by a group of armed men who whisked me away to an unknown location. For days I was held captive, interrogated, and threatened. They wanted to know everything I had discovered, and they made it clear that if I didn't keep quiet, I would suffer the same fate as the missing campers and hikers. But I refused to be silenced. I knew that what they were doing was wrong, and I was determined to fight back. I failed. The next day, when a new park ranger arrived, he seemed completely unaware of the disappearances or the government facility in the last park ranger. It was as he had never existed, as if he had been erased from history. I couldn't wait to go on this camping trip with my closest friends. We had all been planning this trip for months, and I was so excited to finally be out in nature, away from the hustle and bustle of the city. We drove for hours and finally arrived at the entrance to the National Forest. The sun was already starting to set, so we quickly set up our tents and started a fire. As we sat around the fire, roasting marshmallows and telling ghost stories, an old Native American man walked into our campsite. He was dressed in traditional clothing and had a walking stick in his hand. At first, we were all startled, but the man introduced himself as a member of the nearby tribe and began to tell us stories about the forest. He told us about the legend of a creature that roamed the woods at night, a creature so fierce and powerful that it could tear apart a fully grown bear with its bare hands. We all thought it was just an old myth, but as the night went on we began to hear strange noises in the woods. At first it was just rustling in the bushes, but soon the sounds grew louder and more ominous. As we huddled together around the fire, we saw a pair of glowing eyes in the darkness. It was then that we realized that the elders' warnings were not just stories. The creature was real, and it was closing in on us. We quickly packed up our things and ran towards the car, but the creature was faster than any of us. It lunged at us from the darkness its long claws tearing through the air. We ran as fast as we could, but it seemed like the creature was always one step ahead of us. Finally, we made it to the car, and we quickly locked ourselves inside. The creature circled the car, its glowing eyes shining in the darkness. We were all terrified, and we didn't know what to do. 
I was filling in at O'Hare Fire Station 2 on the July 4th, 2022 weekend. We were outside in the patio area talking and watching the distant fireworks display. As we talked, we heard what sounded like a very loud screeching noise. It sounded like the brakes on a large truck. We didn't pay it any mind because it was probably a semi or airport maintenance vehicle that was nearby. There is a cargo terminal within sight of the station, so we didn't give it a second thought. Until we heard a series of clicks, rapid, loud clicking, followed by that sound again. It was then that one of the other guys saw something and said, WTF is that? We looked up to see a figure in the sky. It looked like a human with wings, and it had a pair of bright orange eyes. One of the firefighters said it was the infamous Batman and said it was seen all over the airport and the surrounding suburbs. It was only visible for about five seconds before it flew out of sight toward the north. When I was in high school, I was a member of a volunteer search and rescue team. We would get called out mostly on weekends in the summer to help hikers who had been injured or gotten lost on one of the hundreds of trails in our county. It was very intense, but I really enjoyed being able to use my wilderness skills to help people out. One morning, we got a call at about 4 a.m. to go and search for a small plane that had crashed into a mountain during a night flight. I was about 16 and got excused from days of school for doing volunteer work, so I jumped out of bed and drove over to the mountain. We found the plane after about three hours of searching by tracking a transponder signal. My team was second on site, and they wouldn't let me near the plane because I was a minor, but I watched as they pulled the victim's pretty heavily mangled bodies out of the cabin of the plane. All three had been killed on impact and in the darkness probably hadn't known they were about to hit the mountain. We ended up loading the victims into litters, basically fiberglass stretchers with a bike wheel attached to the bottom, and hauling them down the mountain on foot because, due to tree cover, we weren't able to get the helibac chopper close enough for an air extraction. I ended up carrying two of the victims down the mountain and had to throw my leather work gloves away afterward because the victim's blood had soaked through the body bag and gotten on my hands. On this particular trail, the beginning of the hike is about a half mile of steep, rocky terrain. Rather than bringing the first victim all the way to the trailhead for extract, we stashed them in a bush off the trail before the steep part and then went back for the other person. A lot of people had to go to therapy after that particular mission. More just thought the whole experience was very surreal. I think the things that stuck with me the most were the coping mechanisms we used to handle the situation while we were working. We were making little jokes like, Oh, his head's leaking. Punch that elbow back in. It's sticking out while we were carrying the bodies down. Personally, I'm just grateful that I didn't walk away from that experience with any trauma, and I will never get on a small plane and fly around in a mountainous area at night. All right, everybody with a knowledge of cryptids. I'm hunting for information on a cryptid... I'm not even sure it's been marked down yet. There has been multiple sightings in my small town of Merrill, Michigan, something of which doesn't match a single cryptid I've read about yet, and I've read a lot. I personally have not seen it. 
so I'm sorry for breaking that rule, but I have three witnesses that I would put my life on, and I really want to know about this thing. The first witness is my uncle, and he is the main reason I'm on this hunt. When he was young, he used to take night walks in the neighbor's woods. Right before sunrise, as long as it was dark enough so no neighbors could see him. He would take a very dim flashlight with him on purpose, and if he thought anyone saw him or was following him, he'd put his hand over it and hide in the woods' darkness. He claims the main things that scared him were the raccoons and the opossums. He never had problems with people on his walks, but he still knew the risk of trespassing. Though his story isn't very exciting, he got the best view on the creature out of all three witnesses, claiming that it only stood a few feet tall and had legs bent backwards with large, fly-like eyes, and the rest of it looked like a kangaroo and a monkey hybrid. There are many cryptids that are close in visuals, but none of them have thick hair and big eyes like this one had. I showed him drawings of other look. Like cryptids, he's dismissed every one of them. He claimed that he was walking out of the woods just as it was getting brighter. The sky was gray and the woods still dark from the trees, but the road almost visible down the whole mile. On his way across the road back to the house, he saw that thing a little ways down the road. It's said to have crossed the road in two steps, despite being short and disappearing into the woods my uncle had just exited. The second witness is deceased now. He was a natural conspiracist, so it came as no surprise when I heard this story years ago. His description was much less valuable. I had the belief that this was the same cryptid. A couple miles away from the first incident, this man said that he seen a small ape-like figure jump almost to the tops of the trees. This is the least resourceful sighting cause. I cannot ask this man to answer anything he left out or to give more info. This is all I have for reciting. The third is my grandma's good friend, Sylvia, from a state away. Every 4th of July, they park a camper in my grandma's yard and stay for a week or two to visit all the friends and family they left behind when they moved out of state. Keep in mind, these folk have never even heard the stories of this creature. And for this story, I was in the house as it happened. Sylvia's husband had a few beers with my grandparent. There's a big tree on the side of a barely used road, and Andy walked over to it, too. Here's the bathroom. As he was peeing on this tree, he noticed the same big black bug eyes that my uncle had seen. It was staring him down from the tree line across the road, and as soon as he focused on it, the cryptid backed up into the brush and was gone. Me and my uncle freaked out about this, as you would. Because it had been a six or so years since someone we knew spotted this thing. As crazy as it sounds, me and my whole family believe and know this creature. We've even narrowed down where it possibly calls home based on how far sightings go. Sorry for the long and many paragraphs. If you have any idea what might be lurking around mid-Michigan... Please leave a name of a cryptid or a description or a drawing. My family and me all want to know what so many of us have seen. Any ideas? There's more sightings, too. These are just the most reliable, believable, and descriptive. Today, me and my mom went to my mom's friend's cottage in a remote area to bury her pet bearded dragon that was stored in her freezer for like three months. 
She was a beloved pet, and she had wanted to bury her earlier, but her brother wanted to dig the hole, so she had to wait because he lives in another province and he owns the property. While her brother was digging, he actually claims to have found the foundation of the first house in the area where the whole family died in a fire. They... My mom and her friend were kind of scared that was bad juju or something, but did it anyways. Previously, her brother found artifacts like coins from the 18th century and children's bones, according to him. I believe him on the coins, but I'm skeptical about children's bones. Is it bad juju to bury a pet in a place that could be haunted? I didn't feel or see any haunted stuff while there or have anything bad happen to me. We read the Rainbow Bridge and told her we would meet her again one day. I felt like she was at peace or in a better place. She died at age 14 and didn't want to eat or drink anymore near the end. I burned sage the whole time, and it burned so hot we had to put it in the fire pit. I saw something in the fire pit that looked like a cross between a cockamissile with a lemur's face. Its body was kind of cat-like. It was striped but smoke-colored, like the sage smoke. But then it suddenly disappeared. It seemed obviously spectral to me. It didn't seem like a bad or ominous spirit. What could it have meant if it had a meaning? 